0: Insurance agents from around the world, welcome to the Insurance Guys Podcast. My name is Scott Howell, your fearless host and leader, insurance agency owner and insurance evangelist for iProtect Insurance and Financial Services, based out of Huntsville, Alabama. And before we get started on today's episode, please help me welcome. He is a six foot three sophomore from Sarah Land, Alabama, parade first team All American, rivals, five star recruit. He is a fantastic insurance agent and a great American. Ladies and gentlemen, please stand and welcome the incomparable Mr. Bradley Flowers. How are you, Bradley? I'm great,
1: Scott. How are you today?
0: Man, I am doing fantastic. Ladies and gentlemen, I am in Mobile, Alabama, land of the free, home of the brave, and it is only 100 degrees outside right now. (laughs) And it is so hot that every time I walk outside, it, it feels like I'm about to melt on the pavement out here. This is the hottest I think I've ever been. Just had a hurricane skim the coastline over here and went over towards Louisiana. Was it a tropical storm or hurricane? Was it a? It it was a a hurricane. Hurricane Uh, actually went up through Louisiana and I think it's up in the Missouri. I wrote more
1: insurance on Friday than I have written in my entire life. People wanting to buy insurance in a storm (laughs) in the Gulf.
0: Yeah, uh, we have had those situations occur as well, where uh, a tropical storm hurricane starts approaching and about two days before it happens we get calls from all over the place wanting insurance and the my favorite one bradley is the people down here that probably called you and said hey man i just
1: want to make sure i got insurance now is my policy my policy good we good everything good we do a lot of that, and I do a lot of... Uh, I second-guess guess myself so right, bad yeah, right. when there is a disturbance in the Gulf. Right, yeah. I'm like, crap, did we do this? Yeah. Did we do that? And, is that on the policy? Uh, is that endorsement on? My right. God, you have no idea. <laughs> um, and I, I told a buddy of mine the other day, like, we write good business. Mm. We, we We really try to make sure we have the best interest of the client in heart, or we do have the best interest of the client. We're not... Worried about making the sale so much as we are taking care of the client multiple times a week, we tell somebody they need to stay where they are. But with that being said, I still like wake up in the middle of the night, like thinking, Oh my God, what am I going to do? And, and, you know, uh, I I have no problem with a storm coming because I know our clients are are in a good spot. Mm -hmm. But I told somebody the other day, I need the good Lord to give me a year in business before mm. we have to deal with a hurricane Absolutely. coming straight to Mobile. I just, <laughs> I got, I can't, I don't know that I can deal with the two months right. of not being able to write insurance right. because everybody has open claims. Absolutely, you know. Absolutely. So anyway,
0: well, that is a beautiful segue into me introducing our guest today because I've been researching him the way the Discovery Channel studies meerkats, and one of the things I heard on his last podcast, he talked a lot about culture culture in your insurance agency, which includes the types of people that you write, the types of clients you want, the types of individuals and businesses that you, uh, instill into your agency force as to what you want in the, you know, the, the type of business that you want brought into that agency. And right. he's, I've heard him talk about that. So Without further ado, guys, I am super-duper-ooper excited to bring our next guest on. He lives in Fredericktown, Ohio. He is a graduate of the University of Akron. He has a beautiful wife named Heidi and a 14-year-old son named Ethan. He has been with Westfield Insurance. And guys, this is our very first carrier, our very first insurance carrier on the podcast He has only been there for 25 years and currently serves as the distribution specialist leader. Going to have to get into exactly what that is with Westfield Insurance. He is also the host of Westfield Insurance's podcast called Closing the Gap, which is a podcast for independent agents that just celebrated their first year anniversary. Happy birthday to your podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Please stand and welcome the other incomparable, Mr. Chris
1: Klein. How
0: are you, Chris?
2: Ooh, oh, man! I don't even know how to follow that up. I just feel like we just end the thing right now. <laughs> my my, my back is
1: over. My back is against the <laughs> wall in the studio. I'm like,
0: oh my god, guys. Let me let me explain to you why Chris Klein is so important to be on this podcast. Number one, he represents an insurance carrier. Now, insurance agents from around the world. We are approaching how many how many downloads? Hundred thousand? Is that how many we're at? I don't even. Somewhere know, in that range. Yeah. Guys, listen to me. Very first insurance carrier representative that we've had on this podcast. But here's here's more importantly why I love Chris Klein. Chris has been doing this for 25 plus years, and I have studied him. I have I have watched some of his work. He has a very broad array of topics that he has been able that he is able to talk about, and he has a ton of relationships in the industry. And I think we as agents probably need to do a better job of trying to understand the other side of the equation, which is that carrier side. Sometimes we have a tendency as agents to only try to, try, try to understand our perspective on things without looking at the other side of the table. So Chris, thank you again. I am humbled. I am honored. I am blessed to have you on this podcast today. It means a lot to me and it means a lot to Bradley. Thank you for being here.
2: Uh, It truly is our pleasure um, and my personal pleasure. I mean, sitting on a podcast that just finished up interviewing Gary Vee, I don't know how, uh, I don't even know where I fit into that thing, but uh, it's exciting and, and by all means, truly humbled by your introduction there and the kind words you've said. And I didn't even realize, wouldn't even think we would be your first carrier. But then again, I mean, it's sort of, sort of unique. I know when we bumped into each other at Elevate, it sort of hit me that you guys are doing your thing and we're doing our thing, but we don't even sell PNC insurance in Alabama. Uh, dot, 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 right? Hold on tight. But, exactly. And
1: um, I'm on the you, list to be the first. Numero uno. <laughs> we we had that conversation. Yeah,
2: I love we it. We did. I thought maybe you guys were just uh, kind of positioning yourself and applying for an appointment. You know, grease the skids, talk about customer sure, first. Sure, we're not yeah. here just to sell. We're here to take care of the client. Right. Uh, I think those are. I think those are the right answers to uh, some of the questions on our carrier interview guide. Right. Well, and and
1: I can tell you this, man. As an agent who deals with a lot, who's really been dealing with a lot of carrier reps in the last the last few months, and a lot of carriers, the fact that you guys have a podcast Mm. is so indicative of a Mm. lot of other things Mm. that are all good for the agent. So, absolutely. As an agent, I really appreciate the fact that. Your company sees the value. In oh, that. oh, oh!
0: By the way, before you say anything, Chris, big, big boy right here is the one that's been listening to your podcast. And for all the agents that are out there, the podcast is called "Closing the Gap," and it is a damn good podcast. I listen to it too. the 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 guests that I've heard on there, and I've heard a few of them. They do a great job. You talk about a lot of things that are very germane to independent agents. And I, I would highly encourage our listenership Jermaine to, go Jackson. Out, to go out and actually take a listen to your podcast because you guys do a fantastic job.
2: Well, I appreciate that. I truly do appreciate that. And, and certainly for the props there. And I mean, the, the whole idea for us doing this podcast was, I and mean, we might be about 18 months ago, it's a cold, crazy winter day in mm-hmm. December of what do we mean? Probably the end of 17. In, in my role, and, and there's several of us here, a number of us at, at our carrier and at carriers around the country, I spend a lot of time traveling the country. We're in agencies of all shapes and sizes, premium volumes, ages, models, the whole nine yards. And we're also plugged into a lot of different things in and around the industry. So mm-hmm. I could be at any given state trade association uh, meeting. Uh, I represent us on the Trusted Choice uh, Carrier Board, so I'm meeting with peers and agents at that, elevate uh, relationships we have with with third-party firms who do consultative work for agencies, and I was personally wrestling with – we're sitting on a lot of information. And mm-hmm. every time I'm in an agency, they want to know almost almost to an agency. Chris, what are the what are the best performing agencies doing? What are mm-hmm. agencies like mine doing? Mm-hmm. And and you guys might even relate to this, but when a carrier is giving insight, I guess parenthetically, advice to an agency, I feel and it's somewhat of of a negative connotation but sometimes i feel like that's viewed as though there's a carrier agenda right. or a carrier bias mm-hmm. because all we want is more production right and if i was to say hey call abc consulting firm mm-hmm. they're good at this well the consulting firm i mean certainly they want to help and they have great insights but they ultimately want to sell an engagement so i was kind of just reconciling how all these things to come together and starting to listen to some podcasts and i know all of us are sort of inside uh, the original Hanley universe and, uh, you know, all the derivatives and all the folks that have, have been plugged into the work that the folks at trustedchoice.com and Elevate and all the folks that we've been able to meet through that, you know, through that network. So I've gotten exposed to some podcasts, and I thought, you know, there really isn't a carrier who is who is – going up several levels, I Mm -hmm. guess, if you will, Mm -hmm. and using the insights, the education, the resources, the connections that we've made, and sharing those with agencies in, I guess, a Mm non-intrusive, truly consultative, trusted kind of way Mm -hmm. uh, in which that we're not – I'm not asking you guys for production. I don't even do business in Alabama. So, But as we've seen this thing scale, that's really been the thanks we've gotten is – you guys do have a lot of, mm-hmm. of, of, insight and observations and you're sharing in a way you're getting folks on, you're sharing agencies who have had successes, agencies who've got skin, knees, you've got consultants, you've got just all, all the different folks who are out there in the industry doing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're just trying to get them on the podcast and share stories.
0: So with that being said, Chris, of the, the, the agencies that you go out and visit, and, and as you said, you you have different agencies that you go out and see that are all along that spectrum of success. Yeah, and, and And we could even, we could even deep dive further into what is your definition of success? I could get into a three hour conversation about if your definition of success is being a $100 million agency. Okay. That's great. You want to be a hundred million dollar agency? Good. Are you willing? to have the type of sacrifice, the type of blood, sweat, and tears, and the blood on your sword that you're going to have to have relative to things that are going to have to be sacrificed to get there? Are you willing to do that, Mr. Guy that wants to be a $100 million agency? Sacrifices uh, have to be made, in my opinion, uh, in certain areas based on where you want to fall in that continuum of your agency and where you land as far as premium level goes. Now, that may all sound crazy for me to say, but I do believe it's true. My question to you is, when you go out and visit different agencies that fall along that continuum, what do you see as kind of a overall common theme within those successful agencies over and over again that you can give our listening audience an actionable steps to kind of emulate?
2: First thing I would say is, is um, a lot of the foundation for my answer and the work we've done in the industry is very much uh, tied to some deep level of analytics. We and other carriers, I mean, certainly a lot of carriers do this to assess the health of their, of their agency force. And we spent some time, going back about a decade, flip the script a little bit and to look at data that is more than just a historical view of an agency's production loss ratio retention with us. And what are the factors that could be more predictive uh, about an agency's success? And we've started to shape the way that we view the way we review agencies Mm -hmm. through that lens. And we've been iterative every other year as as we revamp that approach. And so, We've continued to refine that through data. And so this isn't just uh, a carriers or one person at a carrier's opinion. We're now about a decade in of having seen continued sustainable results, a very real separation from the top 10 or 20 percent agencies that we work with and the things they are doing Mm -hmm. that the other agencies are not. So that's the framework for the answer. And if you've listened to our podcast, um, you might have heard me reference the big three. It's mm-hmm. kind of the frame framework that I use if I'm on a carrier panel. Yeah, or I, 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 have,
0: I have heard you reference that, and I want you to, to, to explain that as well so our listening audience can hear that.
2: Perfect. Yeah, so the big three, uh, they're very large, and I just like the number three because I think it's easy to wrap my head around. Right. And so I started to take all this internal observation, objective measurements that we have as a carrier – and things that we hear other firms that we work with talking about as leading best practices, Mm -hmm. and then our partnership with other trade associations, all this stuff lays on top of each other and tells a strong story that the big three, at least through the way I talk about them, uh, the first one is this whole concept of talent acquisition and internal succession, uh, which include things like uh, things that are drivers of agency valuation, and ultimately, if you do want to sell externally up through M&A, but it's that it's that large grouping of, of topics. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other one is really around social, digital, and the customer experience and in really an investment in understand, uh, understanding what consumers' demands are and how they're evolving and an agency willing to make the investments mm-hmm. in them and to meet the customer when and where they are. And the other one is still a little bit. I guess I would say it hasn't matured quite as much. But there is a great deal of time, effort, and energy in the highest performing agencies in really wrapping their arms around around data and analytics. Mm. So those are the three categories that really become offshoots or independent conversations. And so to your the point you made is every single agency, uh, whether it's the top of the list or the bottom of the list, and are closing the doors tomorrow, is somewhere on the continuum for all three of those right. uh, categories and nobody's pegged the needle on all three. Mm-hmm. That's what makes it cool. Mm-hmm. Um, cause there's always room to grow. So right. th- that's the, I guess the setup and we could take that wherever you guys wanted from there.
0: Well, I, I, here's where I want to take it. So, so Chris, you have to understand something. I barely scratched ninth grade. You know, I, I am not very smart. I, uh, have the brain of a, of a very small squirrel, so so what I would like to do and and I and when I think about this podcast and I tell I tell our listeners all the time that reach out to us I don't do this podcast all I do is represent the 250,000 insurance agents that listen to this podcast and I well, the one thing I do know about them is the majority of them are just like me you know they have problems in their agencies they have weaknesses they have different things that they need to improve. And so one thing I have, I have committed myself to in 2019 and Bradley has as well is giving these people actionable, simple, actionable steps where they can turn off our podcast and go do something that day or that week to change the culture or change something that they're doing to improve their agency. So as I go through the big three that you just mentioned, My internal dialogue, again, not very smart, but every time I speak to you or anyone else right now, I'm obsessed with internal dialogue. You, Chris, say something to me and whatever it is that you say, my internal dialogue is is saying, floating that around in my brain. And then I'm hearing whatever it is I want to hear that you just said. So when I heard the big three, the first thing I heard, number one, talent acquisition, now, to me, that means hiring great people or acquiring an agency that has a great group, book of business and great group people in it. Is that kind of where where you stand on on number one of the big three? Is that what we're talking about?
2: Uh, it's certainly a yeah. I mean, that's a great great setup for that. I mean, certainly acquiring an agency with great people is a way of doing it. All right. And there's a lot of agencies that have have had success with that, mm-hmm. uh, finding agencies of similar culture or agencies they can acquire that that they can migrate to culture with relative ease. Right. I, I personally when I sit with an agency, I like to think about it in terms of straight linear organic. If you're gonna do it yourself, mm-hmm. if you're not gonna think about so if you think about it in, in the context of a same store sale, right. What can you do here with the resources at your disposal right. to make the agency more viable? Because a lot of times whether you're buying or whether you're selling, it's it's not uncommon. Mm-hmm. To see whatever challenges or obstacles are constraining an agency today mm-hmm. ultimately will manifest themselves post-sale or post-acquisition if they're not really thinking about them intentionally. So right. you've either solved for the problem or you haven't. And if you just make it – if you just add more premium to it you're not really intentional about whatever it is you're trying to tackle, you've really just made it worse.
0: Right, right. Well, one thing, yep. I le- one thing I learned early on, and it's something that I've, I've I i do not know that I've really talked to Bradley about this at length or not. I, if I haven't, I should have. But, you know, scaling a business is fairly easy. Bradley Flowers can go out and acquire an agency anywhere in the United States of America. The success or failure of that agency will be determined by two things the people in that state that Bradley hires to run that agency are they great people are they great insurance agencies are they passionate about what they do that that's the that's that's the first thing you got to have you got to have great people and then number two you've got to have and this is the key to the whole shooting match is to to, to scale is great processes great processes that people understand and know how to do. That's why Chick-fil-A is able to build 500 stores all over the United States. They have great processes in place. If you don't have those great processes and you're flying by the seat of the pant, your pants, you can go down three blocks down the street and buy an insurance agency and chances are you're either going to have to create those processes that that it allows that scalability or that sucker's probably going to fail somewhere down the road.
2: I'd be hard to argue that. I wouldn't even try. Yeah. I think you're absolutely right. I was just going to say, ultimately, if you're not thinking about processes and procedures, scaling becomes, you You eventually get to the point where you're at a critical mass where you can't scale past that exactly. because you've got, you've got to get to a level of efficiency that the operating margins are such that they can sustain investments mm-hmm. in that, in that growth and whether you're trying to free up the capital to make an acquisition, which unfortunately today there's a little bit of ways to hide behind that because money is easy to get, money's right. cheap, and there's a lot of it floating around. Right. Uh, but that won't always be the case. Right. But if you are going to invest in in fresh, organic, new talent, mm-hmm. uh, the mentoring, the coaching, uh, and the onboarding that it takes to make somebody successful, that takes resource mm-hmm. and if you're going to invest in the internal culture of the agency, really trying to bring the life, the core values, and the mission that you're trying uh, to elicit, again, as you were saying in your setup, to attract customers mm-hmm. and, and the consumers or the the talent at the agency, that takes a very intentional approach mm-hmm. around the physical space, just the overall dynamics of that. And if every single dollar of your personal expense is being run through the agency, there's just no way the agency can cash flow those investments. Right. So it becomes stagnant. That's what happens, I think, in a lot of agencies. And folks that say they want to remain independent believe that right up until the point until they sell. Mm-hmm. And that's not that's not my nugget. That's that's right. stuff I've learned. But you've got to be willing to take the hard look, uh run the agency like a business. And when you're doing that, uh, the margins are there, the capital's there mm-hmm. to make an investment back. And you've got to be able to look at it from outside your own your your own Prison. lens. Yeah. Yeah. And think about it, if you're a 25, 28, 30-year-old person coming through your front door, would you want to work there? Right. And so much has been said and written, and we right. had Tony Kanyas, the insurance nerd, was on uh, our podcast earlier this year, and he spoke at length about this. But all these myths about millennials don't want to work is, is mm-hmm. ridiculous. There's mm-hmm. way more millennials in the workforce than there are my generation, Right. and there's no new boomers joining the workforce, so… If we're not embracing an environment a culture that uh, is setting the millennials up uh, for success, um, the agency's not. No small businesses are set up for success.
0: I completely agree with you. Now, number two, you said social, digital, overall investment. You know, larger agencies seem to have more capital to invest in hiring the the videographer and the, the the blogger, and they run social media. They have more money to invest there. Talk a little bit about that number two. Meet the customer where they are. The investment in social digital platforms.
2: Yeah, you know what's interesting about that is it. Seems, and it certainly, yes, yeah, some of the large, you know, this, you know, the larger entities certainly have more capital.
0: Right.
2: I mean, this is this is just purely anecdotal, but it seems like the medium and the small, small to medium agencies are probably moving the needle here even more. Mm-hmm. Because they don't have the legacy expense structure exactly uh, to navigate exactly. and you the, know the, the
0: multiple layers of middle management that have to make decisions relative to advertising and marketing budgets I was explaining in an earlier podcast to Bradley I said some of these insurance carriers the way that small to mid-size and large insurance agencies have an advantage over them is for a large carrier it's like moving the it's like getting the titanic out of the way of the the iceberg right we we're we're fluid i can pick up my android phone right now and record the best 66 second commercial that's ever been recorded in the history of mankind and stick it on facebook and run uh you know ads on that and you know 3 hours start getting insurance leads from that Lar- large carriers don't have that
2: you're absolutely right and, and large and really large brokers don't don't mm-hmm. have that at either, and you know they're focused on a different customer segment, right. oftentimes. But if I'm not mistaken, you guys just had Scott Green on, right?
0: Uh, yes, yes.
2: Yeah, so mm-hmm. Scott's an, in Ohio, and he, you know he's probably a poster child for that, and their right. agencies. Doing what our agents doing what Scott does. And I was just um, at the insurance, uh, the IMCA conference and Sid Rowe did a breakout session on Mm -hmm. this and she showed a video done for a thousand bucks and one done for a hundred grand. Right. And the capabilities uh, with a little bit of creativity and just roll up your sleeves and going and doing it Mm -hmm. is huge. And obviously, you know, we could spend some time talking about the power of video uh, today and helping tell your agency's culture, tell your agency's story. But the reality is, and we all know this, and I still I will still hear people combat this and say, well, my custom I'm I'm in a small town, mm-hmm. I'm in a rural community, my customers aren't online. And I think we all know that's just not that's that, just not true anymore. Not, no. And it it just takes a willingness to step back and and think and mm. and to be intentional about about some of these things because every customer is somewhere online. I don't even know what the statistic is anymore. Was it 70, 75, 80 some odd percent? of all insurance buys, start with some sort of an online search. So right. if you're not there, if you're not willing to tell your story, you aren't being found and you're right. Your customers aren't there. Every other, everybody else's customers are.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I love that so much. So, so the, 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 last point on this topic, let me expand on that. Scott and I Uh-oh. are going to Chattanooga, go. Tennessee in October to, uh, give a talk to the young agents conference. Uh-huh. Okay. okay, which I've never done a dual keynote before, especially with this guy. So wow. really looking forward to it. Wow, we're actually going to be giving two talks. I think we're going to give one to the agents and one to the carriers. Right. I, I asked the the gentleman that that booked us. I said, Well, you know, what do you want us to talk about? He's like, Look, we got all these agents, and majority of them sell commercial insurance, mm-hmm. and they don't think that you can sell commercial insurance on social media. Like Holy this God. is the young agents conference (laughs) like let alone the agents conference and i'm like what do you think that the the ceo of of abc air conditioning and heating is not on social media like come on like yes there's a way to do it and i had a young man call me yesterday with the exact same question no relation to the conference and in about five minutes we laid out a marketing plan for him and he was like, "Oh my god, I never thought of that." Right. So it it can be done. Oh, yeah. You just have to be will you have to be willing to do it and the bottom line is is a lot of agents and a lot of companies and a lot of, lot of big agencies are too scared to stick their neck out there mm. and go after those people in the way they know they need to do it because yeah. they're scared they're going to fail and mm. they're scared yeah, yeah. of looking stupid. Or they don't have time. Or they don't have time or their ego can't take the hit of, "Hey, I'm trying something mm. new." You know, sorry for the rant. And it's interesting.
2: No, it's all right. I mean, the interesting thing is, and and, and, you, and you try to have this conversation in a way that eases people through that, but it's not new anymore. Right. And it's proven that it works everywhere. I mean, there's a reason the entire industry is focusing on digitizing small commercial <laughs> insurance. And, you know, every, you know, every trend points to how many there are and how fragmented it is. But you think the average small business owner. I mean they're doing their thing from 9 to 5 when mm-hmm. most agencies are open and it's not until the kids are in bed and they've had dinner they've had some some time with their spouse or whatever they're kind of going to sit down and say I I got to screw around with my insurance right now right and it might start with a search on on you know whatever social media platform you want to pick or just a mm-hmm. I'm just going to type this into Google and see what comes up so you know if you're not there I mean you're just I mean you might as well be nowhere right. and If you're going to be there and they're like, here's 14 things that that show up in my Google feed, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, there's so many classes you can go to to do, um, you know, to do beginner level SEO Mm -hmm. and have a quick little video about, hey, I'm Brad or I'm Scott. This is what I do. This is what I focus on. I know these are your concerns. Give me a jingle tomorrow or better yet. Just click here and I'll call you.
0: So last but not least, I want to talk a little bit about the data and the analytics, because that's something that we, we really haven't touched on on this podcast help me understand more, help these agents to understand more about what you mean by tracking the data and the analytics relative to, you know, increasing success within your agency.
2: Yeah. A lot of it comes down. There's so many different ways to take the data thing. And that's why I still feel like it's still in its infancy compared to some of these other ones. But depending on the stuff that you consume in your free time, if you listen to, you know, other podcasts or whatever, but mm-hmm. you hear about what's going on with AI and the power of data and what's happening with some of the large social platforms and how how data is the new currency. And that scares people as much probably more than the rest of this stuff mm-hmm. that we've talked about. Mm-hmm. But when you start to think about just the availability of third party data now at very inexpensive costs, mm-hmm. to start to marry it with what does your book of business look like mm-hmm. where have you found the most success what are your hit ratios how do you start to really carve out what might be a niche that you don't even know you have mm-hmm. you can start to buy census data and other information from you know from the states or different parties just to start to marry these things together so you know you, you start to see this looking different ways first of all it's just really understanding your own book of business from as simple as I hear agencies still arguing. I can't afford to lose any customers, so mm-hmm. that's why they'll call on a Friday afternoon. We used to call them non-pay Fridays when I was on the underwriting leadership mm-hmm. time side, because that's when um, all the customers that had canceled for non-pay that week got their paycheck and they were in their agency trying to get their policy reinstated. And if you had a conversation about, do you really understand that segment of your customer? How much time, effort, and energy do you spend to keep it, or would you be better off letting it go? So there's some elementary things along that line, but. But a lot of agencies don't don't fully understand the mix of their book are they maximizing the carriers they do business with the appetites that the carriers have are they maximizing the revenue opportunities uh, with the carriers they have in really trying to sync up production along those ways and then it starts to get you know far and more Robust when it comes to how how do you start to really target your marketing, Mm -hmm. your producer compensation, geographies that you want to go into. We mentioned merger and acquisition. Mm -hmm. It could really help shape, you know, do we have a better alignment for um, possible acquisition of another agency or another Mm -hmm. producer? And, And then you just get far more robust when you really start to understand the consumer behavior and aggregate all this data together with common definitions. It really is the sky's the limit. So those are conversations I love because we have the opportunity to learn way more than we even have to offer back. And it just continues to aggregate that. So I'm with you. It's just one of those things that I would love to learn more about. We continue to talk about, but it started with large brokers. Um, They're all trying to understand data and get it together and synthesize it, but it's more and more, it's smaller, 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 smaller agencies really trying to understand their, their health, and it right. takes data, and it takes some some sophistication.
0: Well, and, and the tip of the spear on the agency side, as you probably well know, my friend and great American, Seth Zaremba, coming oh, up, yeah. coming up with Pro- Project Neon, which, for those of you that don't know, I've watched a demo. that That's the tip of the spear. So what, what you're going to see, uh, and I'm speaking to the agents right now that are listening to this, what you're going to see – over the course of the next 10 years is the advent of all of these management systems out there beginning obviously with Project Neon because that was that was the first one that's been, you know, kind of invented but you're going to continue to see AI become part of the agent's management system so that you're going to know when somebody's out there shopping. You're going to know who's Who's, in, who's not in your book of business that maybe is somebody that needs another policy. Those things are coming and they're not going to be here 20, 30 years from now. They're going to be here very shortly. And I think uh, what, what will end up happening after project neon's released is you'll see a arms race of, of different management systems. This is only my opinion, but a, but an arms race uh, of agency management systems trying to incorporate AI into their management system as well. Chris, last thing I want to ask you before I let you go here. What is the one thing between agents and carriers that, that is the biggest disconnect that you see? Is there any one thing that you feel like uh, you spoke just briefly about it a moment ago? I'll summarize what you said. It seemed to me like you were saying, again, internal dialogue, but it seemed like you were saying that to me, it seems like a lot of times agents don't take full advantage of of a lot of what carriers have to offer. And maybe part of that is that they just don't know what a carrier has to offer.
2: And there's, there's probably a lot to that. And they're, they're probably, and I would just be, I mean, if I was to pick one of any five Mm -hmm. larger gaps out of the air, um, it wouldn't be any more relevant than the other, but good, open, honest communication between carrier and any individual agency or any group of agencies, I, I believe is, is paramount. I think what we sometimes on both sides or all sides of this can lose sight of is that we are still independent businesses. Mm-hmm. Carriers are independent businesses trying to achieve certain operational goals, growth, returns on their own investment, their own equity, making investments that they think are best for their long-term success Every independent agency is doing the exact same things. Mm -hmm. Most of the time, those decisions align well. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they do not. So not viewing those things as adversarial, but realizing that at times a little healthy tension is not a bad thing. And it should facilitate open dialogue so that everybody is in sync and we understand where we're going to go. And uh, carriers, uh, us, I would say included, Mm -hmm. Um, we can be – uh, guilty of 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 running 100 miles an hour or 0 miles an hour I guess depending on perspective and and might miss a communication or might under communicate or miscommunicate but I think the same can be said as well and when you're a carrier working with you know however many hundreds or thousands of independent agencies you work with there are going to be gaps out there and so I I would just say I mean if 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 you're thinking about your relationship with your carriers as basic human communication or communication between two entities it's a two-way street Mm -hmm. and i i I try to instill this in our team it's easy to sort of kind of pull yourself in and get frustrated if you don't feel you're being communicated with but the only person you can influence in a situation is yourself Mm -hmm. be willing to go 51 percent of the way right and that goes that goes across the board so that might be a cop-out but it usually comes down to communication Mm -hmm. um which can manifest itself in a better understanding and a better alignment Mm -hmm. about models and decisions. And we move on with life.
0: Chris, I want to communicate to you something. I want to tell you how much I appreciate you being on this podcast today, man. It means a lot. It really does. You know, one of these days, and I don't know where we're going to be together, but I want to take you to dinner, lunch, breakfast, coffee, caramels, whatever. Unless you and I sit down for about an hour and just have a, just, just get in the boat with each other and continue this conversation. Cause I want to learn more about you. I want to talk a little bit more about the, and I would love to have him back on the podcast Bradley, Absolutely, and, and, and talk a little bit more about, you know, carrier agent relationships and those types of things. I would absolutely love to do that, man. I've, I've really, really enjoyed talking to you today. I'm going to go ahead and wrap this thing up. Insurance agents from around the world, Listen to me, we, we've got to do a better job of, of getting in the boat with our carrier partners, because that's really what they are. They're partners, right? And, and and understanding the, what they want, need, and feel, and, and not just looking at it from our perspective, whatever that perspective is and, and figuring out through the marketing reps, through the people that we know within these carrier organizations, how they can help us further what resources they have out there to help us I think I think we do a poor job of taking advantage of that and I hope that we do a better job of that in the future guys remember what I always say rewards come from action not discussion get your ass out from behind that desk today and go out into the big bad world and sell insurance make money for your family make money for your kids your wife your husband your parents that are struggling out there today Go make money for them. Write good business for the agencies that you represent and write good business for the companies that you represent. Bradley Flowers, I love you. Love you too, buddy. Hey, Thanks, Chris. Chris. Chris, I love you too, hey, brother. Hey, thank you,
2: guys.
0: Hey, back. anytime, man. You come back on whenever you'd like, and I'd love to have you again. Guys, you are listening to the Insurance Guys podcast, and we'll be back real soon. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Insurance Guys Podcast. If you need to know more about me or you need to get in touch with Scott, you can always reach me at the online.com or email me at iProtectins at gmail.com. And if you need to get in touch with Mr. Bradley Flowers, go to BradleyflowersInsurance.com or email him at Bradley at SaraLandinsurance.com. Guys, we love you. Thank you so much for listening. We look forward to being with you again real soon on the next episode of The Insurance Guys.